Hosting for this podcast is made possible through mtgcast.com, which is supported by a generous contribution from quietspeculation.com, Magic's premier trading and financial news site. Hi, this is Jeremy Schofield. Welcome to The Upkeep. Welcome to Episode 1 for the week ending June 1. The Upkeep is a show dedicated to the PTQ Grinder. I aim to bring you results and deck lists for every major event related to the current PTQ format. Pro Tours, Grand Prix, SCGs, PTQs, WMCQs, Motor Premier events, we've got it all. On this week's episode, we look into SCG Baltimore, World Magic Cup Qualifier Archetypes, Motor Premier Top 8 lists, we also have an interview with Pro Tour Dublin bound Pascal Maynard after winning the Montreal PTQ this weekend. Our weekend starts in Baltimore, where Star City Games was having an event. Uh, it was a standard open, and uh, we have our top uh, 16 deck list here. So uh, it was won by Brad Nelson, and he was piloting the Junk Aristocrats deck that has been seeing some uh, recent play. I believe it was Bettina on Magic Online who really got the ball rolling on this, and we saw an article by Sam Black on the same deck. And uh, Brad Nelson, he came into it, and he did a little bit of tweaks on it, and he came in just with the right straight black, white, green, running four Blood Artists, four Cartel Aristocrats, four Doom Travelers, three Skirt Eggs, High Priest, four Voice of Resurgence, two Young Wolf, and three Varlov Scar Strip for Creatures. He jammed in the three uh, Planeswalkers. And the thing that I like the most about his version of the list is that he went up to 25 lands, which is just really important to make sure you're hitting all of your land drops. Uh, for spells, he's got the four Tragic Slips, and he's got the four Lingering Souls. Uh, his sideboard, he went really heavy on the Deathrite Shamans. Uh, following the event uh, on the tournament, uh, the coverage guys were mentioning that Deathrite Shaman was one of his favorite side cards. He was bringing it in for pretty much every matchup, not just the Reanimator ones. Uh, in the sideboard, he also had three Sin Collectors, three Unflinching Courage, two Abrupt Decays, two Garrick Relentless, one Appetite for Brains. Uh, interesting point that was made was the, with the Unflinching Courage, you could jam it on most of your creatures and they stay underneath the uh, Selesnya Charm. So that's a really good way that you can kind of get in your beats. And against like the uh, Hexproof decks or any of the Naya decks and stuff like that, your guy doesn't get too big that you have to worry about that being a piece of removal. So just a, a really neat list. Uh, I'm actually a big fan of this list. I think I'll be running it a local. PTQ, uh, but that's kind of, you know, like a, a breakout uh, result for that uh, deck, so that's really awesome. Uh, we had John Spires in second place, and he was running the Naya Aggro list. So this one here, again, is uh, definitely more on the aggro side, uh, really low casting cost curve. Uh, it's got the four Reckoners, the four Dryad Militants, the four Experiment Ones, four Gore Clan Rampagers, four Loxodon Smiters, four Strangleruth Geist, and four Voice of Resurgence. We're going to be hearing Voice of Resurgence a lot in these deck lists. That card is definitely making a huge impact. Uh, going with 22 lands, only a couple basics in there. Uh, he's got the spells, he's got a couple Rancors, which is a great number, two Advent of the Worms, two Boros Charms, four Seer and Spears. Uh, Boros Charms, really, really good. Helps you get through uh, some of that mass removal, mass sweep type stuff. Also can be a way to just jam in some extra damage. Uh, sideboard, he went with the Pacifism Plan, a couple Volcanic Strength, more Boros Charms, a couple Ray of Revelations to deal with the Hexproof list, uh, a few Skull Cracks, and a couple Mizium Mortars. So just a really, you know, standard deck that's been kind of making a splash already and just... Uh, yeah, they kept pushing it. Another good result from that list. Uh, Jeremy Sunnell came in third, and he was running the black-red zombies list. So these are the types of lists that, you know, they just don't go away. It almost feels like you're, you know, back six months ago. Uh, but this one here was a couple of blood artists, or three blood artists, a blood scrivener, uh, two blood throne vampires, a couple diagraph ghouls, some falcon Raph aristocrats, 
uh, Dross Messengers, four uh, Grave Crawlers, two Hell Riders, three Knight of Infamy, running a couple Lilianas for Planeswalkers. He had an Electricity Mean, a couple Searing Spears, a few Tragic Slips, uh, one Bonfire, one Mark of Mutiny. So just a really aggressive beatdown list. He's got the Blood Artist and the Blood Throne Vampire and the Aristocrat. So he almost has like a little bit of that Aristocrat game plan where he can just get his reach by sacking his team to, uh, with the Blood Artist triggers and finish the game out that way. Uh, his sideboard, he went for an extra Blood Scrivener, uh, a couple Vampire Nighthawks, some Cremates, Electricery, Appetite for Brains, uh, Blasphemous Act, Bonfire of the Dam, a couple more Mark of Mutinies, and a couple Pillar of Flames. So really just kind of dealing with a, a little bit of everything in that uh, sideboard. Not something that uh, I've seen anywhere else. So, you know, if, is this kind of like a really good meta choice or is this uh, something up on the future? But uh, definitely a list you should check out. Uh, next, we had another Naya uh, Agro deck uh, by Joe Panaccio. Uh, very, very similar to the list that we just went through. It uh, cut back on the Dried Militants and the Voice Resurgence and uh, had some Silverblade Paladins in there, went up with an extra Rancor, and uh, was also playing uh, some Call of the Conclaves in there. Uh, really, his sideboard was pretty much similar. Uh, the only difference would be that he brought in some Domi Raids in his sideboard as well, so he had uh, a little bit of stuff that he could play on there. Maybe a little bit better for uh, the control matchups. Speaking of control, Jake Taft has actually been one of the decks that uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about uh, coming out of this tournament, and he brought a bug control list. So he definitely was, you know, thinking the control plan, thinking really heavy planeswalkers. Doesn't have any white in there, so he can't really do the Sphinx's Revelation game, but he does get a lot of value out of these planeswalkers. So the list is one Aetheline, one Progenitor Mimic, three Snapcaster Mage, four Thrag Tusks. Uh, for Planeswalkers, he had a Garuk Relentless, a couple Primal Hunters, an Architect of th or two Architect of Thoughts, a Liliana, and two Tamios. He went with uh, 24 lands. Uh, for spells, he had the Abrupt Decays, he had Far and Aways, he had Think Twices, Warp Physiques, Farseeks, and Mutilate. So, really, it is either Ramp, Card Draw, or Removal, which is just, you know, beat, beat, beat. Get a Planeswalker out there. He has the tools to protect that Planeswalker, so he has win conditions in that way. He's also got that Aetheling plan, and then the Progenitor Mimic's just really cute. It's kind of a good matchup against Reanimator, Game 1, and then it can also just keep bringing back your Thrag Tusk, so that's just, you know, great value. His sideboard, he had a Pithy Needle, which I'm guessing is probably for the Aetheling Mirror. Uh, Deathrite Shamans, a couple Notion Thieves, four of those Sphinx Revelation decks. Uh, super, uh, oh my goodness. Sepertural Primordial, I can't say it, it's a Black Primordial, a couple Cremates, one Garrick Relentless, two Jace Memory Adapts, and a couple Graze of Granites. Uh, this Gaze of Granite is a great card against the Aristocrat matchup, and, you know, just like your Mono Red and your Crazy Niagara and all that fun stuff, so... Uh, really looks like an interesting list. A lot of people are looking at it saying it doesn't look very good, but I almost feel like this is the type of list that uh, it's so foreign to what's happening right now that a lot of people are going to dismiss it off the bat. I wouldn't be surprised to see something like this next week. Next, we follow it up with uh, Richard Nugent with uh, Niagara list again. So uh, again, we've seen three of these in the top eight. This is very, very similar to the first list we went through. A couple extra bonfires. Uh, definitely going, you know, the Boros Charm Advent of the Warren Searing Spears. Creature package is pretty much the same. Uh, on the sideboard, we saw some Infliction Courages out of this one so that he can race some more of the aggressive decks. But really, it's kind of a stock Niagara list. Again, uh, check it out on the uh, show notes. I'll have everything linked in there. Uh, seventh place brings us Eric Heimel, and he is running Jund. So a deck that's always in the top eight. Uh, very, very standard list. Four Huntmasters of the Fells, two Sire of Insanity, four, four Thragtusks, three Olivias, two Garrett Primal Hunters, one Liliana of the Veil. 
Spells, he's got the one key rune, two ground seals, one abrupt decay, one Golgari charm, which is kind of strange. You don't really see that in uh, main lists. A couple putrefies, a tragic slip, three bonfires, one dread boar, four farseek, two museum mortars, one Rakdos return. Sideboard for Jun is two Thunder My Hulkites, one Deadbird Chant, one Ground Seal, one Abrupt Decay, three Seaman Spears, one Tragic Slip, two Liliana's the Veil, one Braska the Scene, one Rakdos Return, two Slaughter Games. Really surprised not to see any pillars in this, as it's a great way to deal with voice, but obviously we got some good results out of this list. Next, we had a Reanimator deck, so absolutely, we need to see some Reanimator lists. It's kind of the main deck of the format right now. So, uh, this here is a standard uh, junk list. It's got a couple of Acidic Slimes, some Arangels of Serenity, four Arbor Elves, four Abyssin Pilgrim, three Fiend Hunters, four Restoration Angels, two Sin Collectors, four Thragtusks. Then, running kind of the same on uh, Braille Rites plan, which is just your four Grizzly Salvages, three Mulches, four Braille Rites. He's going 23 land, so just a really, really standard junk Reanimator list. Definitely powerful, always going to be in the top 8. Sideboard, he's got a couple of Acidic Slimes, some Centaur Healers, Rock's Faith Mender, one Sin Collector, two Abrupt Decay, two Obsidat, two Garrick Relentless, and one Sever the Bloodline. So, nothing really new here, just a standard uh, Junk Reanimator list. Uh, looking through, you know, decks 9 through 16, uh, in ninth place we had an Esper Control list, uh, piloted by Jay Shields. He just kind of went with the Augur Bulls plant, Snapcaster Mage, Obsidat, so not really touching the Aetherling there. Uh, he's got a few Planeswalkers, he's got a couple Architects of Thought, Liliana the Veil, a couple Sorens, and Tamio the Moon Sage. In the spells, he's just going the Detention Spheres, the Azorius Charms, Dissipates, Far and Away, Forbidden Alchemy, Sphinx's Revelations, Warp Physiques, Lingering Souls, and Supreme Verdict. So, just uh, beat the tar out of you, get a bunch of card advantage, jam the Planeswalkers, you know, work you out that way. He's definitely got uh, three Drown Yards going on in this list, so he's got a few ways that he can attack you, know, and just going to drag that game out, make that game go a long time. Uh, in the uh, sideboard, he's got a trading post, which is kind of like some crazy uh, blast from the past. I'm sure Brad Nelson has something to do with this, uh, but just seems like a good card in a really grindy matchup. A couple of evil twins, some more sync collectors, rest in peace, negate, syncopate, victim of the night, appetite for brains, terminus, so on, so on, so on. So, just a uh, Esper Control list, and we haven't seen a lot of Esper Control in uh, the last couple weeks here, so it's good to see that that's sticking around. Uh, the rest of it is Jund and Niagro, but let's get down to uh, 15th place with Ralph Betch, and he was playing a blue-red right flash deck. Uh, kind of surprised we didn't run into him uh, any sooner. This one's a little bit more on the aggro plan, but I wouldn't necessarily call it aggro. It's, I guess, more mid-range. This has got the Restoration Angels, the Snapcaster Mages, the Thundermall Hellkites, and the Geist of St. Trath. Uh, running a couple Ral Zeriks, and then, you know, you're just red-white-blue removal package, the Azorius Charms, the Dissipates, the Syrian Spears, the Syncopates, the Turn Burns, the Warleader Helix, Mizium Mortars, Pillar of Flames, and he's also got a couple Sphinx's Revelations in there for value. Uh, sideboard, we got a couple clones, is it Static Casters, Negates, Purify the Graves, Pillar of Flames, Supreme Verdict, uh, a couple ca uh, Counterflux and a Dispel. So, run 24 lands, just good red, white, blue. Uh, you know, it's, it's a deck that's out there, so you have to be testing for it. It's definitely going to see play pretty much at every tournament. So that really covers Baltimore. Uh, really uh, surprising, you know, with uh, the, the Black Red Zombies, the Junk Aristocrats, the Bug Control. I think Junk Aristocrats is a real deck out of there. You know, we're getting a lot of people are jumping onto it. It's kind of the hot thing right now. So if you got a tournament coming up right away, uh, I would expect to see that. As to whether or not it's going to stick around, I'm not too sure. I kind of like where it's at right now and seeing what other people are playing. I, I think it's going to be pretty good for me. So 
Uh, I'm a big fan of that deck, and uh, Niagara, though, I I would have to say is probably the best deck in the format. Uh, As uh, you'll uh, hear later on in an interview, uh, Pascal refers to it as the most mid-range deck there is. Who knows if that's a compliment or a sly against it. So next we're going to talk really quickly on some of the uh, MC, uh, WMCQs and some of the PTQs that happened around. Uh, this is a part where I'm really going to ask out to uh, a lot of the listeners, anybody who picks up this show, if you have a PTQ, WMCQ that's happening in your area, if you can get any information about top 8 deck lists, even just top 8 deck types and stuff like that, get that information to me. I want to get it out to everybody. If you help me out here, somebody's going to help me out there, and it all just, you know, it just makes the whole better. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of information I found out about the most current lists, what I'll do is as soon as these get published on the mothership, I'll make sure that we talk about it on a future episode. So uh, the WMCQ for the United States was won by Dan Cicchetti. He was running a Bant Enchantments list. Uh, I got a kind of a rough top eight list. We had three Bant Aura lists in that top eight, so three Bant Enchantments. There was an Aristocrat Axe 2, there was a Naya Midrange, there was a Junk Rights, and there was an Esper list in there. So uh, really surprised to see as many Bant Aura lists in there, but uh, it's very much like the affinity of the format that you kind of have to have a lot of sideboard dedicated to it, I feel, in order to get through, and it's just one of those decks that just preys on decks that aren't ready for it. So, uh, is is it great? It, it's, it fills a niche, so not surprised to see it doing as well as it did. Uh, what I picked up was that Canada uh, was won by a four-color reanimator list. Now, I don't know if you've seen this list, but it's got... Uh, just the added red into that list, and they bring in Blasphemous Axe, they bring Boros Reckoner, they bring in some Sire of Insanities, they bring in uh, the Harvest Pyre. So they kind of jam a little bit of that extra combo into their list, and uh, they're still running, you know, the Mulches and the uh, Grizzly Salvage and the Reanimator uh, pieces. So very interesting list. Uh, if you watch Adam Prozac's stream, it's a deck that he's been really championing on there. So uh, it looks like that took down the, the World Magic Cup qualifier uh, for Canada. Now, I did get some information out of the Montreal PTQ, and that's Pascal Maynard. So I'm going to let him talk a little bit about his deck, and we're going to do that after I go through the Moto Premier uh, lists, which is just coming up right away here. But he won that with an Arist- Aristocrats Act 1. So uh, very excited to hear kind of about what happened at that tournament, a little bit about the metagame and all that fun stuff. So we're going to move on to the Moto Premier events. All right, we're going to be talking about some Moto Premier events. Uh, big thing is Moto is uh, almost a little bit ahead of the metagame when it comes to paper tournaments. Uh, this is kind of the best place that you can get tournaments on you know any day of the week, any time of the day. So you're going to see a lot of innovation happening on there. And they've pulled back a little bit of information on what they present in deck lists. But I want to go through the premier events just because you know those are kind of the bookend events. They happen on the weekend. They're usually the biggest events, and they have a, a top eight at the end of it. So it really just better emulates you know the tournaments that we're really practicing ourselves for the ptqs and stuff like that so uh one of the one of the two premier events that happened this weekend uh we had found omega in first place and what he was running was definitely the naya mid-range plan so very much a domi raid type deck uh he is having some mizium mortars and some selesnia charms in his main deck uh but really he's just going the obvious pilgrim boros reckoners a couple experiment one a couple flint hoof boars a couple oxidon smiters uh some restoration angels he had a thalia in there for a little bit of spice uh he's got the four thundermaw hellkites and the four voice of resurgence so just the deck that really likes to get domni raid on the board put pressure on get some advantage either by drawing cards or getting some good fight in there and just 
mow over the other player. Uh, in the sideboard, he had a couple of Assemble the Legions, really good against the control matchups. Uh, some Boros Charms against the board wipes, and again, a little bit more reach. Ground Seal, Oblivion Rings, Pillar of Flames, Ray of Revelation, Rest in Peace. Uh, one Thrag Tusk, a couple of Flinching Courage, and a Zealous Calm Script. So just some really, really cool pieces on the sideboard. Kind of addresses a wide variety of decks. Uh, this deck is a really, really strong list, uh, similar to what uh, Willie Adele was running at the last GP. Uh, in second place, we had uh, Cryptic, and he was running uh, a similar kind of uh, white-red-blue list. He had the Aetherlings, Snapcaster Mages, Restoration Angels, Augur of Bolas, and he's got the Azorius Charms, Dissipates, Pillars of Flames, Rewind, Searing Spear. So uh, we were talking about a red-white-blue list a little bit earlier on. This is definitely a lot more on the control side of things. You know, it just kind of wants to go and kill everything and draw cards and just slow the game right out. Get that Aetherling on the board, bash in that way. Get a Restoration Angel on the board, bash in that way. You know, it's it's a deck that's not going to beat you in a couple turns. This one's going to go the long game. He's got 26 lands. He wants to get them all out there. Uh, his sideboard, he's got a couple clones. He's got some Dispel. He's got his Static Casters, Jace Memory Adepts, Negates, Pillar of Flames. Renounce the Guilds. Uh, that's an important one for you guys because that's how he's going to be getting through uh, your Assemble Legions. That's how he's going to be, you know, one of the ways he can deal with your Sirem Insanity. So, that, you know, Renounce the Guild's really, really key card. I think that card's going to see a ton of play after rotation, but right now it's just it's really spicing some of these control lists. Uh, we got some Rest in Peace and we got some Supreme Verdicts. Uh, in third place, we've got it taken a step further. So still 26 lands, but for creatures, we've really rolled it back to Aetherlings and Snapcaster Mages. Uh, then he's got 31 spells in this list. So it's Assemble the Legion, Asaurus Charms, Detention Spheres, Dissipates, Essence Scatters, Jace Architect of Thoughts, Mizium Mortars, a couple Pillar of Flames, a couple Searing Spears, Four Sphinxes Revelation, Three Supreme Verdict, Syncopate, Tamio, Terminus, couple Think Twices, some Turn and Burn, some More Leader Helix. Uh, this is very similar to a deck that uh, I believe it took first place at an SCG Open uh, the week uh, prior. So uh, this is just like the red, white, blue, really, really jamming control. In the sideboard, he's got an Aetheline, he's got some clones. Uh, he's just got some good pieces in there, some more of those Renounced Guilds, a couple Terminus. Just, again, a nice, grindy, kill all your stuff, have an answer for everything, have answers across the board so that you can kind of deal with anything deck that's just going to get a Aetheling on the board and beat you down that way. But this deck also has enough uh, direct damage spells that you got to watch out because your life total is going to be important because he could just finish off a turn by Water Leader's Helixing you and then dropping a Snapcaster Mage to get another four points in there. So big life swings with the amount of direct damage in this list. Uh, Bona in fourth place was running the Jun list. Very, very similar to the list that we saw before. Uh, three Bonfires... Really, you know, it's got the one key rune. It's almost identical to some of the lists we were talking before. The thing that was a little bit uh, different out of this one, we don't have any Sire of Insanities in this list. So, you know, that's that's a bit strange. Uh, in the sideboard, he was running Barter and Bloods, uh, which are, you know, really good. A lot of people are talking about, you know, Barter and Blood might be better than Liliana. But the uh, nice part about Barter and Blood is it's a good way to deal with those hexproof lists. You know, sometimes the hexproof list will have an extra creature out there just so that it can avoid the sacrifice effect. It has that as part of its game plan. What am I going to do when I'm forced to sack a creature? Barter and Blood making them sacrifice two creatures, you can usually get through that, you know, that a blade of creature shield. So, uh, really, really cool little piece there. Uh, really kind of a similar stuff. He's got the Vraskas, the Rakdos Returns, Liliana, you know, standard stuff. Uh, fifth place, we've got ourselves a reanimator list here. It's a junk reanimator. He's got a main deck, uh, Obzidat, a couple voice of resurgence. 
you know, when I see some of these lists and early on and stuff like that, I wonder, does he want to have more voices or would he be playing four voices if he had them? Because that's a tough card to get yourself online. Uh, but really, not a lot uh, strange happening here. He's got a couple dead weights as early removal cards. I like that as a card. He's got uh, Tristani in the sideboard as well as a good little life plan for some of the aggressive decks. Uh, again, check out the list. In sixth place, we have got ourselves an Esper list. And this Esper list is going with the Augurs and the Obsidats. It's got the three Drown Yards, and again, it's just running the same old plan of just kill all your guys. So with the Azurius Charms, Counter Spells, draw some cards. Really just similar to the Esper list that we had talked to before. Nothing really spicy in the sideboard on this one. Uh, again, we've got in seventh place, very, very similar type thing. But again, we're back to uh, white, red, blue. Uh, almost identical list to the list that we just talked about. Nothing really spicy in the board for that one either. And then 8th place, again, is just another red, white, blue, but this one has gone back to a little bit more of the aggro plan. So a uh, couple Aetherlings, Restoration Angels, not so super controlling. Uh, really not a whole lot to talk about here either. Again, I'll have the links to all of these decks in the show notes, so you want to take a look. If I'm saying something that catches your eye, just uh, check out the show notes on MTG Cast, and you'll be able to find links to all of these events. Uh, looking at the next uh, standard uh, premier event, uh, we had a first place by Temu303, and Temu303 uh, was running what looks to be just a great Borzoff list. So this is kind of like that mid-rangey type deck. It is running the red, black, white. It is going on Burial Rite style deck, so it's got Angels of Serenity, uh, but it's also got, you know, a Sire of Insanity. It's got the Thragtus. It's got an Olivia. It's got four Boros Reckoners. So it's running the Boros Reckoner uh, kind of combo in it because it's got some Blasphemous Axe. Uh, it uses some Faithless Lootings to get stuff into the yard, but it's also got the Grizzly Salvage. Uh, it's running Harvest Pyres, which also combos with the Reckoners, so that's a good way to kind of finish out the game. Uh, because it's playing uh, these colors, it can really take advantage of Lingering Souls, and it's got the Mulch package in there and everything. So 23 lands, uh, nothing really special for lands. It's got a Cavern in there. Uh, on the sideboard side of things, it's going heavy on the Abrupt Decays. Uh, really good for getting rid of your opponent's Boros Reckoners for your Blasphemous Act combo. It's got an Acidic Slime. It's got some more Blasphemous Acts if you want to go all in on that combo. It's got an Olivia. It's got some Purify the Graves, some Ray of Revelations, a couple more Sire of Insanities. And it's running Slaughter Games, which is a great card, and I'm happy to see that it's still seeing some play here. Uh, second place, we have got pretty much the same deck that we just talked about. Uh, not an exact 75, but uh, definitely very, very close. We got some different stuff in the sideboard. So uh, in the sideboard, we're seeing some more Leaders Helix, and we're also seeing some Assemble the Legion. Uh, it's cutting back on things like the Blasphemous Axe and uh, the Abrupt Decays to make room for those cards. So very, very, very similar list in uh, first and second place here. Uh, our third place list is going back to an Esper deck. This isn't super control. It's got some Angel Serenity, some Augurs of Bullis, a couple of Obsidats, some Vampire Nighthawks, and then uh, running the Forbidden Alchemy plan so that you can kind of find that card selection that you want. Uh, one Sphinx Revelation, a lot of Supreme Verdicts, a lot of Syncopates. Uh, and then just really, really heavy on the removal and some Umbreal rights. So uh, I don't know if you want to necessarily call this like a Esper mid-range or an Esper reanimator, but it's somewhere in that area. Uh, sideboard's just doing the deadweight thing, a couple evil twins, a murder, uh, purify the graves, Sphinx all revelation, ultimate price, some negates. So, you know, just what I would say is a little bit of the usual suspects. 
we get to fourth place and we got Team Tom and Team Tom, he is definitely running the uh, Aristocrats Act 2 type list here. So he's got the Blood Artists, the Blood Reckoners, the Cartel Aristocrats, the Doom Travelers, Falcon Wrath Aristocrats, a couple Obsidats. He's got the Blasphemous Axe and the, for Spells, a couple or four Lingering Souls, three Soren of Lord of Innistrad, four Tragic Slips. So this is just the deck that just gets a lot of dudes onto the board, gets some beats in, and then he can do the sacking plan to kind of get all those extra points of damage of the Blood Artist. And, you know, a big part of this is also that Blasphemous Act combo. So he just wants to get a Reckoner on the board. He wants to get a couple guys on the board. If he gets a Blood Artist on the board and he manages to resolve that Blasphemous Act, the chances are he could just 20 you in one shot. Uh, sideboard, he's got a couple Blood Barons. He's got another Cabinet of Souls. He's got some Cremates, some Mark of Mutinies, some Scourge's Egg High Priest, and some Slaughter Games. Uh, Mark of Mutiny is really strong in this deck because you've got all those sack outlets. So not only are you taking the creature and beating them over the head with it, you're getting rid of it so that it doesn't go back to them. So really, really cool there. In fifth place, we saw the junk reanimator list similar to the brad nelson list but this has a little bit more of uh, some of the stuff that sam black was doing in his article so he's pulled back one of the blood artists and he's put a mob obsidat in there uh at five mana you know it's a little bit tough to get out there uh consistently but he is just powerful on the board because you don't really have to get a lot of guys through if you're in the situation where you're doing like an all-out swing to try and finish things off between the blood artist and the one or two guys that get through there and the amount of damage that you can do just by sacking pretty much your whole team this is a guy that can finish a game really really quick so he's also got a couple screws high priests he's got the varlovs he's got the voice of resurgence the young wolves uh he was running a garrick relentless in his list which i think is a really really fine card uh, i think soren is a better card but uh, Garrick does bring something to the table. He gives you a little bit of tutor, especially when you have like the one of Mob Obsidad in there. Uh, the ability on the flip side of the flipped Garrick Relentless could get you a way to just end this game very, very quickly. Sideboard, he was going with Abrupt Decays. He's got the Deathrite Shamans. He's got Profit and Loss in there, which is kind of cool. Uh, some Afflinction Courage, Sync Collectors, Ray of Revelations, standard type stuff. Uh, only running 24 lands in this list. Again, I'm a big fan of the 25 land list for this. In 6th place, we've got ourselves another uh, Aristocrats uh, Act 2 list. So, very, very similar to the list that we were talking to before. He's got an Orzhov Charm in there. That card's really, really cool because you're able to bring back uh, things like your Doom Traveler just to get yourself some more sacks and stuff like that. So, that can be something that really catches people off guard. Uh, aside from that, really, the sideboard, nothing too fancy in there. He went more on the Zealous Conscript side of things for his Steal a Creature uh, kind of game plan. In seventh place, we've got our first, you know, actual hexproof list of the week. So uh, this one here, we got 21 lands. Uh, it is in the Bant colors. It's got four Avacyn Pilgrims, four Geist of St. Traff, four Invisible Stalkers, four Silverblade Paladins, four Voice of Resurgence, one Advent of the Worm, four Ethereal Armor, four Rancor, two Selesnya Charm, four Spectral Fight, four Unflinching Courage. Again, this deck is just annoying to play against they get a guy down and it is like just zero interaction with these guys sacrifice effects are huge against them if you can get a lucky bonfire early in the game before any of their creatures get too outrageous you know that's a way to deal with them but really you know like that's where like barter and blood is kind of a good place to be against this deck uh, in the sideboard, they got some more Advent of the Worms, they got some Face Shields, Neil Hearth Pilgrims, really good for like those aggro or even like the mid-range aggressive decks, like just a good racing tool, as well as being that second creature that you can sack to some sort of sacrifice effect. Uh, a couple Negates, a couple Nevermores, some Rest in Peace, Rootborn Defenses, you know, deal with the big board wipe type stuff, and then a Sigarda, which is just like absolute nail in the coffin for those Jun players. 
Uh, eighth place, we've got, again, just another Esper deck. Uh, this guy went a little bit different on his sideboard. The main deck is almost identical. Uh, his sideboard, he went with Dispels, he went with Fogs, Heavy on the Ground Seals. Uh, he did the Mending Touch, which I believe was some Jerry T-Tech uh, from one of his emails. I think it's a really fine card, just, you know, a good way to deal with, like, the Wrath of God tape effects. And, you know, if you're sitting there and you're sitting trying to figure out, do I, do I Supreme here and he's only got a green open? You, you feel pretty comfortable there, but that Mending Touch just keeps that guy going. So, uh, really, really fine, interesting card, something that you wouldn't expect to see in a deck list, I don't think. All right, folks, now we're going to be leading into our interview, so let's uh, see who we've got on board. Hi, I'm Pascal Maynard, 20 years old, from Quebec City. All right, I'm here with Pascal, who just uh, recently won a PTQ. Pascal, what deck were you playing? I was playing Aristocrats Act 1. Aristocrats Act 1. And uh, I believe that this list was similar to a list that uh, Justin Richardson had recently posted on Man of Deprived. Is that right? Yeah, actually, it was his exact 75. I didn't read the, the article, uh, but I talked to Justin on Saturday, and he gave me his list that was basically his latest list, and I played the same 75 as him. Okay, perfect. So you said that you got the list on the Saturday, so the Saturday would have been the day of the, the WMCQ. Did you play in that tournament? Yeah, I did, uh, but I, I didn't play Aristocrat. Uh, it's part of the story where it got me to play Aristocrat. Um I was I was playing blue white red control uh, day one uh, well WMCQ yeah um, I one two dropped then I felt like I wanted to play an aggressive deck for day two I I don't know I didn't feel like playing long games and stuff so you know I dropped and then I took my iPhone took notes of what everyone was playing in the field everyone that had a name or like I recognized I wrote down what they were playing and then I I just say shit. Okay, so just one of my friends. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, so... Uh, you were writing was... down what everybody was uh, playing? Okay. okay, so yeah. Then I want to play aggressive deck. So I asked Justin, because I knew he was playing Aristocrat, and uh, he had good finishes with it in the, in the season. So um, uh, I asked him what his bad matchups were, and he told me the Burning Tree Missouri aggro decks. The blue-white-red was like a close matchup. So I wrote, I look at my list and I'm like, yeah, that's like 10% of the feed, the other field. So I'm playing this and it worked because I didn't play against any burning tree decks. <laughs> you didn't play against any burning tree decks at the W or at the, the PTQ. So w what did you end up playing against them? How did you feel about how those matchups worked out? Um, uh, like the, the, the decks I played against at the PTQ? Yeah, absolutely. At the PTQ. Yeah. So like, what were your Swiss rounds like? What did, what did you end up playing against? What did, uh, how, how was your record? Uh, what did you feel, you know, you were strong against or weak against? Like, just kind of run me through what your Swiss was like. Yeah, well, I was, like, full trust on Justin's judgment. He told me that mid-range matchups were buys and everything else was, like, you know, Burning Tree is an awful matchup, Blue White is, uh, is close. So, you know, I trusted him, played the deck, played, like, you know, like six games before the tournament with it, and then... um actually wrote down what I played against. Oh, so perfect. I'll just tell you. So round one, I play against blue-white-red. So I'm like, all right, I'm playing against uh, a close matchup currently. I crushed a guy at 2-0, so I'll be good. Uh, yeah, that, that's always a good start. It always feels pretty good, especially when it's uh, the deck you were playing the day before. It makes you feel like you made the right choice. So. Yeah. Um, round two, I played against a four-color animator. It's a new deck. The It's basically junk like 
Grizzly Salvage, Mulch, Umbrella Rites, Angel, Serenity, Flag Tusk, but it plays Boros Reckoner, uh, Blasphemous Sack, and Harvest Fire as, like, alternate win conditions. Yeah, this is kind of uh, the deck that uh, I think it's uh, very similar to the list that uh, Adam Prozac was doing, and I believe that that's the deck yeah. that actually won the the, the WMCQ uh, there, correct? Yes, it, it okay. is. Yeah, and actually, like, I think there was only two or three people playing it, so it was a very new deck. Yes. So I played against that deck. Uh, I crushed it because it's a mid-range-ish deck, I, I would say. Yep. So, uh, yeah, beat it. Um, then I play against QIT round three. Okay. Uh, he was playing in Naya mid-range, which was, uh, well, one of the better matchups because it's the most mid-range deck in the format. So I beat it. Uh, then I play against my friend. My very good friend was playing the Blue White Red Control list that we played the day before. He decided to play again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was a bad matchup, and he was also playing Static Caster in the board, which is like, the oh, nice wow. card. And I fortunately beat him 2-0 very fast. I don't know how. He got like pretty unlucky. I got lucky. So we went for food. Good side. <laughs> uh, and round five, I played against, um, a guy playing Act 2, so, uh, Aristocrats Act 2. Yep. It, it, uh, I think Justin never played against it because he told me, like, he didn't know, he wasn't sure about the sideboard plans and didn't know, like, the, if the matchup was good or not. And in my opinion, it seemed bad because they had, uh, Blasphemer Sack and they had Blood Artist. Yep. And Boris Reckoner, too. So. Yep. That, that, that sounds about right. Like, just, uh, I've been doing a little bit of Aristocrat playing myself, and that just seems like the kind of the scary place to be is that they can out attrition you in that sense. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the matchup was indeed really, really hard. I, I had to, like, I, I think I lost game one, game two I won, and game three I had to, because I, like, the only way I can win is, like, just, I can't really play an attrition game because he has a bigger, he has a better late game than me, so I have to play the aggressive side, and I can't really play too many creatures because he's gonna blasphemous attack me, so I had to, like, main phase, like, second main phase, sacrifice four guys to my, Cartel Aristocrat, just so he doesn't blasting attack me. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's not, I guess, you know, like, that's not the, the standard line of play, I would say, with uh, with the deck, yeah, so like, that's, you know, like, kind of just being aware of where his man is at and where you need to be at in order to kind of keep uh, on top. Yeah, and, like, he, he, like, I never, I took the risk that he had it, but it was pretty obvious that he had it because, of, like, the way he played the game and everything. Okay. So I did that, and then, like, so I, I gained another turn, and that turn attacked, but then, like, you know, he, he lingering souls the turn before, so he was able to blast me a and then eventually won the game. But, so, I lost that match. Uh, that was, that was fun, like, it was a bad matchup, so, I didn't feel bad about it. Um, after that, I played against Chund, I beat him quickly too. I played against Naya Midrange, the third, uh, the round after that, I crushed him. And then, the last Swiss round, um, I, I was, I had to, Highest breakers from all the X ones. Okay. Oh, but I, I was the only one who was like mathematically able to draw in. Okay. Be locked in, and that was a problem because I already had played against Kyt, and he was fourth, so I couldn't play against him. So I was paired down down to the fifth, mm-hmm. and that guy couldn't draw. Basically, couldn't wasn't locked with a draw because his breakers were lower. Okay. But he he said like you have a better matchup, and I don't want to play you, so. <laughs> Like, I'll take the gamble and draw. 
So I was like, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm locked in a, anyways, and I have a pretty good matchup, so I wouldn't have mind playing. So we drew. Uh, he got eighth. Oh, wow, good, awesome. Like, those yeah. stories always end with the guy getting ninth. So <laughs> that's good that he got in. Yeah, he got eighth. Um, I, I got fifth. And then in top eight, I played against uh, Tobias Rosman. You might know him. I recognize the name. Um, was he it's at Seattle? He was in Montreal. In Montreal, uh, okay. He's a like regular lo- uh, Montreal local. He, like, he's a pretty good player. Awesome. Uh, and what was he on? He was on blue, white, red. Okay. He said, like, I watched him playing a game against Act Two, the guy who beat me, and uh, I, I don't want to remove credit for him, but he was playing pretty, pretty bad. But it, he, to, he told, he told him himself that he was playing pretty bad, and he just like picked up blue, white, red and played it. But uh, like, he thought the deck was bad and wasn't playing great. So I felt kind of good playing against him because he said he was playing bad. It just picked up the deck, and I already beat two blue, white, red today. So yeah. So I, I, I I beat him too. Also, wasn't partly particularly close either. So, so went to uh, top four. Top four. Top four played against uh, John Wrights. Okay. Um, it was also one of the easiest matchup because you know it's a like it's pretty much just a mid range deck. It can be scary if they have like turn four Angel of Serenity, but like, even though I could, I could like win the game with my sing like I could single handedly win the game with Niven Finney because it's pro white. Yeah. So I won the game 2-0. And then in the finals, I, uh, the guy was uh, Mario Pavel Rodriguez. Um, yeah. And he was playing black, uh, the Mono Black deck Splash Ragtusk and like, some of the cards. Oh, that Gar- yeah, like that, that Golgari, or Golgari mid-range-y type thing like that. Yeah. Uh, with uh, yeah, the Disciple of Bolus and... Let's uh, just call it the Desecration Demon deck. Right? Desecration Demon deck. That is a great name for it. Yeah, he's playing four, that, that deck's playing four, and uh, actually, I've actually played that, uh, that deck before. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. It just cannot ever beat a Sphinx Revelation deck. But uh, like, I feel like he had the same ad call as me. He was playing a deck that beats on all the mid-range decks and loses to you know like the decks that were not much played at the tournament. Okay. So he did well, and there he was in the final against me. And I we Justin never played a matchup. I didn't play it, uh, didn't play against him in the day, but it seemed like a really bad matchup. They have mutilate, they have like infinite removal. Yep. So and the removal mutilate is actually like the best kind of removal for the aristocrat decks because yeah. you can't prevent yourself out of it. You can't make your aristocrat survive through it. So exactly. yeah, that, that seems like a really scary matchup. So like I, I I was talking to Justin before the finals, like he was trying to help me uh, figure out cyborg plans, and we figured that. I'm just gonna board out all my removals and pack on creatures and just hope that one creature survives. <laughs> okay. I, at one point, I considered put uh, 20 lingering souls and 20 doom traveler in my deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would be. <laughs> they're all like they're like the best cards against him. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Uh, game one, I molded five. Uh, he crushed me. Uh, game two, I, I I had like a pretty bad draw and. But he turned four, he tapped four, I'm like, it's mutilate, I'm just gonna die. He dropped Desecration Demon. I, my hand was three lands, I had five lands in play. I only drawn like three creatures, uh, three spells that game, like Lingering Souls, uh, Doom Traveler, and Cartel Aristocrat. So, I only have lands, I'm like, I'm just gonna lose. I almost scooped him when he tapped four mana, but it was a Desecration Demon, so I wasn't dead yet. Then I drew Mark of Unity, it was a 12, and it was Exaxes. <laughs> Wow. 
awesome. Like, all right, I get another chance. So we go to game three. That was an insane game. Uh, he, he stalled on mana, that gave, so that gave me a chance to, like, win the game. Uh, he top-decked a Mutilate. I top-decked Falcon Wrath Aristocrat. He top-decked Removal for it. I top-decked Obzedat. He top-decked Stragtosk. I, and I top-decked Falcon Wrath Aristocrat. And he bricks, so I win. Wow. It was pretty intense. Like Just, just a slugfest right at the end there. Yeah, like, if we played ten games, I'm pretty sure he wins, like, nine easily. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got pretty lucky winning a PTQ win. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so okay, so you get the win. Uh, this is actually something that uh, you are very, very good at. Uh, many listeners might not know this, but uh, all I know about Pascal is that the guy can just win PTQs. Uh, you've been playing at a lot of pro tours, but you don't usually qualify through pro points or anything like that. You usually do it the, the PTQ way, like you do it the hard way. Is that that? Can, can you kind of elaborate on that? I guess a little bit. Yeah. Well, I've. Since I've played my first Pro Tour in uh, 2000, end of 2010, so, uh, well, actually, no, beginning of 2011, I think, mm-hmm. or end of, something like that, uh, Worlds 2010, or, yeah, 2000, okay, Worlds 2010, okay. uh, in Chiba, mm-hmm. and I qualified via Nationals, so I'm uh, uh, Team Canada, Okay. and then, since then, I've qualified to every Pro Tour while not being on the train. Like, I've I've top 15 some Pro Tours to qualify for the next one, so chain the Pro Tours. Okay. But I, I've never actually got the, a level that gave me an invite. Or, okay, so not hitting gold or anything like that, just kind of no. like, just barely inching to that edge and just, wow. Yeah, I missed I missed level 3 two years in a row. Yeah. So I ended up at 14 points, and 15 level 3 would give a free, an invite to a Pro Tour. Yeah. So I missed it twice. And then there was the, the with the pro levels before that, uh, level four is basically gold now, so you qualify for every pro tour. And there was a thing that if you combine your uh, one year with another and you get 25 instead of 20 for level four, if you get 25, you get basically level four. And I missed it by one point. I finished at 24. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I missed it again. And then when I got back from the last pro tour that I qualified, I won a PTQ. At that Pro Tour, I top 15, I qualified for the other one, and then after that, uh, I missed, there was one Pro Tour that I wasn't qualified since, like, since the first Pro Tour, and it was, uh, Worlds, uh, the last real Worlds that we, like, the, the last world with uh, the countries and yeah. the individual part, yeah. where I, I missed it by one point again, I, I, I went to, Amsterdam for a GP. I went to San Diego for the GP the, the week before Worlds to try to qualify for Worlds. I took the one-way ticket. Uh, I missed it by I, I all lost. I lost three GPs in a row the last round for top 64. Wow. So um, so yeah. Then I didn't qualify. Then I got a sponsor exemption after top hitting two GPs for event uh, restored. I crapped out a center restored. Got back, played the one a PTQ in Toronto, qualified for Seattle, mm-hmm. crap Seattle, won a PTQ for Montreal, crap Montreal, won a PTQ <laughs> for San Diego, the, the last possible day for the qualifiers, and then now I just got back from San Diego after 05 drop, and I won a PTQ for uh, Dublin. <laughs> well, that's 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 awesome. So. Uh, you, you were mentioning just when we were talking about that finals matchup that you thought, you know, nine games out of ten, he's going to win. Yes. What happens if he wins uh, that, that match? 
you're second place, you don't have the win, you got another PTQ coming up down the road somewhere in the area. Do you still play this deck, or do you look at something different? Like, how did you feel about the deck, and is there any changes you would make to it if you would keep playing it? Like, where would you be moving forward if you hadn't uh, sealed the deal? Uh, honestly, coming into the weekend, I've never, I would never have thought I would be playing that deck. I've been playing Act 2 a lot. So, like, if if I wanted to play Aristocrat deck, I would have played Act 2. But, um, like, since I talked to Justin, to Justin, he, he convinced me that it was very good in the meta. So that's why I played it. Um, I, I'm, I would not play this at, like, let's say a GP because, you know, you can't beat, it's really hard to beat the Burning Tree decks. And I only played that deck because I knew what I was playing against. I knew the field. Okay. If I don't know the field, I would probably play something safer, like, you know, Junk Rides, like a very powerful deck instead of a deck that beats on what I'm expecting. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I guess one just a little thing. Do you have any kind of memorable moments, any, like, crazy things aside, you know, like right at that last game there, you're kind of telling us the sequence of plays. Did you have any, like, crazy interactions or anything that you saw that was just uh, memorable? Uh, I think the two things that were the most memorable, well, the most, like, on uh, uh, unexpected that I didn't think I was going to do is the against the Act Three deck, uh, Act Two deck where I sacked like four guys on my second main phase for no reason to my cartel. Well, one reason is relaxing the sack, but like you know that, that's that's unusual. Yeah. So this and the finals were like we just top deck, top deck, top deck. I was pretty sick. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, we'll uh, wrap things up, but do you have any kind of shout-outs, anyone that you want to thank for uh, the tournament or just any way people can find you if uh, they want to look up uh, any information, if you're going to be doing a tournament reporter or anything like that? Yeah, uh, definitely Justin Richardson. I give him uh, 90% of the credit. He, his deck's really good. He's been playing it. Uh, the deck is, like, the way the deck is built is very, very streamlined and, you know, very good. <laughs> And I, I thank him. He gave me full sideboard plans on every matchup, all right and down. Uh, big thanks to Justin. Awesome. All right. So, uh, are you going to be doing a tournament report for this uh, for this event? Uh, I I don't think so. I I might like uh, since I'm I'm not doing any GPs this month. I I, I might have time. So maybe on uh, if I do, it's going to be on managedbrive.com. Okay, perfect. All right, well, I just want to uh, thank you very much, uh, Pascal, and uh, really appreciate the interview, and, you know, uh, good luck in Dublin, man. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, it was fantastic talking to Pascal. I've got the uh, link to that primer on manadeprived.com for that Junk Aristocrats deck that he won the PTQ with. You'll be able to find that in the show notes on MTGCast. And that brings an end to our decklist discussion. So we've got some new decks that came out this week. We saw our uh, Junk Aristocrats list that Brad Nelson took to a strong victory. Uh, we have that Bug Control list that uh, did really well at the same uh, Star City Games Open. Uh, we had Aristocrats Act 1 that kind of came back and did some well at a PTQ, as well as seeing a four-color reanimator list winning the World Magic Cup Qualifier in Canada, and, you know, that Hexproof list doing what it did for the World Magic Cup Qualifier uh, in the States. So, you know, World Magic Cup Qualifiers are done for the year. That's, uh, you know, awesome. We've got our national teams all in place, and as soon as I start to see some more of these lists, I'll make sure that they get posted up on the show. Uh, but what we're going to do now is we're going to move into some future events coming up here, what's coming up this weekend. So we've got GP Providence. That is a Return to Ravnica block team sealed uh, tournament. I know a lot of folks are getting out to there, so that'll be really fun. really doesn't affect the PTQ, so we won't be talking about it too much next week, but I hope everyone has a good time. GP Gothenburg is, uh, again, an RTR sealed. That's a, you know, 
mono tournament just yourself uh looking really forward to uh, seeing kind of what comes out of there again it's still a new format so it's really interesting to see what kind of archetypes come out of there although with sealed you don't really see too much of it but the day two drafts that's kind of really important uh, we've got PTQs happening in Durham, North Carolina. I believe that's happening at Atomic Empire. Uh, we got one in Edmonton, Alberta. Myself, I'll be there. So if you uh, listen to the show, let me know how you thought it was. Uh, I'll also be bringing results from that tournament. We got one in Fort Collins, uh, Colorado. We got Honolulu, Hawaii. We got Portland, Oregon. And we got Sacramento, California having PTQs. Uh, I'm only really touching on the North American PTQs, but if you are overseas and you're listening to the show and you want to know what's going on over there, if there's anything that you can point me towards, I would be glad to post that information on this show. Uh, just wanted to wrap everything up. Uh, really excited to uh, launch this show, get it out there, see what people think. Again, feedback is going to be a huge thing. So anybody who's listening, if you can follow me on Twitter, I'm at J underscore Schofield. That's S-C-H-O-F-I-E-L-D. Give me a follow. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, if you could give me a quick tweet, just tell me what you liked about the show, what you would change about the show. Really, really excited to hear what you guys have to say. Also, if you're at any of these PTQs that I've mentioned, you got any information on what the top eight lists were, you got some of the deck lists, you got, uh, you know, the number or the name or you're friends with the guy who won it, get them in touch with me. I would love to have them on the show, talk to them about the tournament, find out what was going on. Just really want to get, you know, ground level what people are seeing at these tournaments back into the groups so that we can all learn from it and go out and crush the next PTQ. It's been an awesome time. I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to The Upkeep. Have a great day.